Hello, hello, and welcome to the Gardner Carney Leadership Institute podcast. The GCLI has developed the pedagogy of leadership, which combines brain science, leadership studies, cultural competency, and developmental psychology. Its mission is to teach teachers to teach leadership to students. This is your go-to podcast for discussions, tips, and stories for leadership and leadership education. And I am your host, Catherine Birdie, but please call me Birdie. Our world is in dire need of people just like you, people who are committed to building communities of leaders, young and old. So let's get busy leading the next generation of leaders, and thank you for joining us. Welcome, 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 everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Gardner Carney Leadership Institute podcast. Today's guest is no stranger to the pedagogy of leadership. In fact, I call him our in-house Heifetz scholar, and he is my go-to whenever I need a quick reminder to rock on or some nuanced brainstorming on a tough topic. In fact, it was in a quick call about the work he does as our resident researcher that we decided to let you in on a conversation about paradoxes in leadership as they relate to the pedagogy of leadership at the GCLI. Mike Pardee is a master educator committed to innovative approaches and pedagogies, so it makes sense that he's found a brand new home at the Krefeld School in Philadelphia because Krefeld seeks to provide, and I quote here, an intentionally different college preparatory program to help students become their best selves with a mission to graduate self-aware, empathetic, lifelong learners who possess an appreciation for diverse perspectives, their role in society, and their ability to act as agents of change. Wow. Krefeld and the Gardner Carney Leadership Institute are lucky beneficiaries of Mike's generous energy, talent, and wisdom, and I am so excited to share him with you right now. Everybody, welcome Mike Pardee. Hey, Mike, welcome. Thank you, Bertie. It's uh, great to be here with you. I'm so, so thankful for your time. And I want to start with a sincere and very public thank you. Because in a recent conversation about the podcast and in feedback from the last lab, we were talking about job transitions. And I shared with you that I have been struggling a bit with some confidence issues. You listened and recommended a great book, a book that I would recommend to anyone. It's Adam Grant's Think Again. It truly served as the antidote for some profound imposter syndrome that I had going on. And it was the confidence, the humble confidence concept that really tipped the scale for me and led us into this conversation about the paradoxes of leadership. So truly, thank you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I enjoyed our conversation too. And I think at times um, we all struggle with um, balancing our confidence with competence and keeping in what Grant calls the, the confident humility zone, which I guess is, is his sweet spot between the two. Well, it, it seemed to make a lot of sense to me when I read it. And um, it allowed me to kind of really become a little bit more open to job transitions and just all the, the balancing and the juggling that I think we are called to do as teachers and leadership educators. Um, so how do you think this idea of humble confidence shows up in leadership today? 
Well, um, the, 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 the interesting thing, and I think you mentioned this um, a couple uh, sentences or paragraphs ago, is this issue of leadership being a paradoxical art. And I did a quick uh, Google search of titles of books with words like paradox and leadership in them, and there are like five or ten. They are all different aspects. Um, they entail all different aspects of leadership. And uh, one of the points that Grant makes in a tiny footnote um, in, in his book is the, the importance that we develop comfort accepting dualities and paradoxes. And I think that's the key to effective leadership. Confident humility is apparently paradoxical. Um, humility just sounds like doubt to, to some yeah. people or, or excessive self-effacement. And sometimes confidence can lead to hubris. Yeah. And it's an important uh, matter to keep these in balance. You used the word balance too a little bit earlier. So, um, and this is, you know, GCLRs will remember the, the Heifetzian dance between pacing and leading when, um, when leaders engage in this kind of thing. And, and also the, the paradox between learning while you lead and leading as you learn. And those of us who are in new jobs, new roles, new contexts, startups, which is where I've been um, a long time, are, I think, intimate with um, this idea of sometimes feeling less confident, sometimes being less competent because there's stuff that we don't know. Right. And sometimes we know what we don't know, but sometimes we don't even know what we don't know. And um, uh, leadership often entails figuring these things out on the fly in the, in the, the, the messy work of uh, navigating all this stuff. So Absolutely. And just to remind listeners, um, the confidence competence, and then the idea of connectedness um, are the three C's that the pedagogy of leadership really can hinge on. It's the, it's attributable to Dr. Darrow and Deke. And yep. we, we really kind of lean into that a lot. And I think, and there are times that I know I felt uh, confident and maybe not, was not as competent. Um, mm -hmm. And, and then I've, I mean, they all have, they all present different conundrums for leaders. And I think that the idea of the humble, confident leader allows us to probably give way to an authenticity that I think is really desired today in, um, mm -hmm. in a lot of leadership. Mm -hmm. The world is just so different. I don't know. I mean, I think the pandemic and other challenges have really kind of forced a, a, a new look at what leadership looks like. And I love yeah. this think again. Uh, and, and incidentally, I believe he wrote it since um, post pandemic, right? I do not know about that when it was published. I, I could be um, wrong. But I think, I, um, I think it's interesting and coincidental that um, I'm sure this podcast is going to run later. But um, I think it was in today's New York Times. There was that whole um, uh, section of columnists rethinking a lot of their um, prior columns and revising and think again is a lot about um, learning from our mistakes and ultimately correcting them, which um, I think we would agree is an important trait of leaders, but sometimes 
leaders and teachers almost don't get permission to learn on the job or change their minds or um, so um, I don't know there's a lot of timely um, examples perhaps of rethinking things and thinking again throughout our culture right now yeah yeah tell me a little bit about working in kind of a more innovative educational settings I think that's fascinating there are, I think most at least most of the schools that I know of are pretty still very traditional and those yeah. are very, very different. Do you mind sharing a little bit about? Well, I, I mean, the, the thing, one thing that um, is, is stimulating about being a, in an innovative startup environment is how humbling it is, how challenging it is, uh, and how unpredictable it is. Because um, it's a matter of, you know, building bridges as you walk on them or building planes as you, as you fly them. And, and it's often difficult to anticipate what's the next thing around the corner. Um, I talked to with um, some of my best colleagues, most trusted colleagues about the other paradox that, that I'm fond of, that some of us are fond of, the Stockdale paradox, because um, there's a lot of uncertainty when engaging in um, a startup innovative venture or a, a new job in, in your case. And um, I think it was Jim Collins. I think I learned about it. And I think he cites uh, the Stockdale Paradox in Good to Great. I was looking for my copy of Good to Great and couldn't find it today. So I'm not positive about that. But um, That's another I'm, great book, by the way. Let's we'll yeah. add that one to the list in the show notes. Good to Great, it's, Jim Collins. It's wonderful. It's certainly a, a, a winner. And, and I also um, recently was looking around. I found a nice little uh, clip on YouTube of Jim Collins talking about the, the Stockdale Paradox. And the story behind it is Admiral Stockdale was a prisoner of war during Vietnam. And um, I'm not sure how many years he was imprisoned, but um, he noticed that some of his fellow prisoners were optimistic and some were pessimistic. And the optimistic ones were hopeful, um, even potentially Pollyanna-like in their mm -hmm. sort of groundless optimism and unrealistic expectation. And when they didn't get released, they kept saying, you know, we're going to be released in, in three months or four months or five months or six months. When that didn't happen, they would be crushed and heartbroken. Um, by the same token, those that were hopelessly pessimistic were uh, sort of lost causes or lost, uh, lost cases. And so um, Admiral Stockdale, for himself, developed this paradoxical belief. And he says, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford, afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. And um, sometimes these jobs or leadership uh, enterprises are really difficult. And um, sometimes people just think projecting positivity and optimism and hope is is the way to go. But if we're not uh, observant of and allegiant to the real challenges we face, I think um, people can be can be led astray and ultimately disappointed as the as, mm -hmm. as certain prisoners of war was. So um, I love that. Okay, so that's again, it's, it's um, accepting the realities as brutal as they may be, but right. with the faith that things will ultimately turn out okay. 
Right. Faith is that, that, is that correct? Faith that you will prevail in the end. That's mm -hmm. one piece. Faith that you will prevail in the end, but also the discipline to confront your brutal reality, whatever that might be. And um, I think you know, right I'll, now that is that's profound because I mean again back to this this pandemic. I mean, people who are developing vaccinations, for instance. I mean, I cannot imagine what they were facing as the world was turning upside down but they had to they had to acknowledge the truth yet also trust that it was gonna that they would prevail right that, that's right i guess um i guess that's right there were some wishful thinkers even prominent politicians saying never mind it'll go away it'll resolve itself <laughs> and that's like the pollyannish toxic positivity. And there were others saying the world is ending, the sky is falling, it's never going to be fixed. And then there were a bunch of other people who said, no, no, we're going to figure this out. We're going yeah. to lean in, we're going to develop the vaccines, we're going to go through the trials. And they're the ones who have uh, helped put us in the, in, the, in the shape where we're maybe emerging from the worst of this. I, so, I hope yeah, so. that's, I do that's hope the so. trick. And that's yeah, the leadership. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Okay, now I'm going to kind of take us back to high fits. I'm, yes. I will always call you our resident <laughs> scholar of all things high fits. Um, you have taught it in, I don't know how many times and in so many ways, um, this idea of being able to simultaneously be both on the balcony and dance floor. Um, I t that to me is a paradox. How, yes. you know, when you, when you think about how, I mean, how, how can we be in two places at once? Yeah, help, help me break that one down. Well, um, I just this is you know I think that um, deconstructing binaries and binary bias mm. is um, a related concept here, and I think um, Heifetz's uh, work is uh, riddled with examples of breaking down false binaries, and um, so. The, the idea of oscillating or coggling back and forth between being on the balcony and the dance floor at the same time, both being in the present, feeling all the feelings, but also the, having the ability to pull off and observe yourself and whatever system or group you're working in from a, from a bigger directive, uh, from a bigger perspective, or the idea of uh, pacing and leading, not... Um, uh, matching to a certain extent the dance step of whoever you're engaging with um, and not over forcing your hand um, as a leader um, and and then I, I love also his, his concept of um, learning while you lead and and leading as you learn that's sort of the most authentic approach especially in adaptive uh, leadership uh, circumstances. Another visual example that people can Google if they'd like of some of this is the way starlings murmurate. And there are some uh, good videos on YouTube and so forth of that sort of organic, uh, coordinated uh, movement as a group. And what's interesting is there are times when that is the most appropriate thing for a group and leaders to do to sort of have a, a horizontal form of leadership or a non-hierarchical where everyone's stepping up and leading. But there also is a point at which uh, flying in formation as geese do 
and not murmurating is appropriate. It's just tough, as, as, as we talk about at GCLI all the time, it's just tough to um, generate recipes or techniques or, um, or, or maxims that are not situational and context dependent, because that's right. the essence of leadership and being able to figure those things out is why, again, Hypus says leadership is an improvisational art. You know, we can have our vision uh, and our goals, but one never knows what, what one is going to be confronted with at any given time and yeah. just need to be ready to respond to that in the moment. Absolutely. Like it, the, the plans are both essential and worthless. Yep. And, yeah. the, and, and I also like the, the idea of um, developing, if we are in places where, less, where we are less competent, because we might be less experienced or trained or whatever, if we can develop confidence in our ability to learn, that can outweigh um, any uh, gaps in our current knowledge. Um, and that's, that's in some ways a corrective, and it's, an, it's a way to get into that confident humility zone that's um, the sweet spot, as, as Adam yeah, Grant yeah. uh, describes it. So. Absolutely. And I think, too, the connectedness piece there, too. I mean, it, to connect to others who may have different strengths, different knowledge, and you know, kind of pulling it together that way as well. I think right. that imbues I, one with some humble confidence. I'm sure that certain scientists are, or biologists might have hypotheses about how and why starlings are connected enough, able to murmurate the way they do. I think it might be something... It looks like echolocation or radar. I have no idea, but um, the importance of being connected between um, group members or, or uh, followers and leaders. And, and I kind of like the idea that we're all follow leaders. We're all both followers and leaders at the same time, which, um, again, is perhaps a paradoxical um, word or concept. But absolutely. I like that. I like that. Yeah, well, of course it is. Like, especially given the paradigms in which we've come to understand what leadership looks like. Mm -hmm. I'm reading a cool book right now called um, Trust and Inspire. It's mm -hmm. a, it's, it's um, Stephen M. R. Covey's newest, latest book. Uh -huh. And in it, it basically kind of breaks down the different paradigms. And I think trust is another interesting concept that is somewhat paradoxical because um, in this, I think he would, his hypothesis is that we have to let go and trust as a leader. And so basically turning it over to the follower and which then there come becomes no follower essentially. So it's a, Interesting. it's a, it's kind of circular a little bit. I, I may have that. Um, I, I don't think I've screwed that up too much. I really have enjoyed this, te this text. It's really good. Well, you, you are um, also an English teacher, I believe, and might share an interest in etymologies and, I am struck by what I believe is the etymology of the word inspire is to breathe life into, which is a certain paradigm for leadership that does sound like the paradoxical opposite of trust. Mm -hmm. Because if you're trusting, you don't need to breathe life into others or, or a group member. But, um, but there is, um, that's not to say that inspiration is never apt and appropriate. I think, so trust and inspire probably is a way to say, be confidently humble. 
yeah. in your role as a leader? I'm, I'm guessing this without having read that book or being familiar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it, it's really, I think it's really more the antithesis of the command control. Yes. Yeah. models that that really are industrial age models and that really don't necessarily in certain in certain situations of course yeah. they may serve well but uh kind of in this kind of in a, as we embark on the you know i guess we're in the what third decade of the 21st century may not hold as much as they once did it's interesting too because the the leaders that i have found least effective and least inspiring are those whose confidence exceeds their competence and they try to impose their will or their ideas either on challenges or on people with whom they're working in ways that, and just are not open to feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, it's interesting because in the the, uh, command and control model, you know, sort of the more a leader asserts, the more effective they should supposedly be. But in my experience, um, that almost invariably backfires. And, yeah. um, and, there- and that reminds me in, that, in our initial conversation about this, that the when what you told me you, you were teaching and, and it was wonderful, it, the, the Dunning Oh, the Dunning Kruger effect. effect. That, again, yes. Dunning Kruger effect from Think yes. Again again. So, um, yeah. Is, isn't that it? We're, we're, yeah, confidence it's that, exceeds competence. Well, it's it's a subset where people who know a lot about a certain subject are also very aware of what they don't know about a certain subject. And the Dunning-Kruger effect is when people who don't know what they don't know think they know a lot and um, overdo it. I mean, there's a there's a great little anecdote in there where um, a PhD student said that my dad called this morning to tell me about the Dunning-Kruger effect, not realizing that his daughter with a PhD in psychology would certainly know the Dunning-Kruger <laughs> effect, thereby giving a tidy demonstration of the Dunning-Kruger effect. So um, <laughs> it's kind of um, ironic or paradoxical when uh, people indulge in that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think at the, I don't know, it's, it's, it's the opposite, I think, of imposter syndrome as he described right. it in the book right. and and again that sweet spot is the humble confidence that that i think kind of wins the day and since you've mentioned the imposter syndrome which i think a lot of us will resonate with and, and remember um we i don't know that either of us has said the word armchair quarterback which is the the obverse of that that adam grant talks about and armchair quarterbacks are people who are more confident than they are competent and they feel comfortable second guessing but, um, you know, those of us who are armchair quarterbacks often rarely know all the circumstances that the real coaches and quarterbacks are dealing with. So true. Um, yes, yes, yes. That's the context. Well, I mean, it, I, I think at the end of the day, it's I think the adaptive leadership, the three C's that mm-hmm. are just part and parcel of these paradoxical situations that leaders and leadership educators find themselves in, or we all find Mm -hmm. ourselves in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am so, so grateful for everything that you have brought to the GCLI and to me and into this conversation. Thank you so much for being here today, Mike. 
I've, I've appreciated it and I've had fun and uh, I've learned some things and maybe you have and others might too. So I absolutely have. And one more thing, one thing that I failed to mention in the intro, you have a wonderful way of signing off on every email that always makes people feel great. And that is to <laughs> rock on. So Mike party, you rock and rock on. Amen. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thank y'all for joining us today and we'll see you in two weeks time. Until then, visit us at gcliadership.org and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. You'll find all of our links at the bottom of our podcast. And until then, lead on.